HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Do you need a CPA that you can trust with all your taxes and financial needs? Look no further than Joanne Flash Fleming at Fleming & Associates CPA. For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly at j-o-a-n-n-f-l-e-m-i-n-g at flashfleming.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network Broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Do you think stories are more important than facts? If you do, stay tuned for this episode about a post-truth era podcast. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. Today is Thursday, February 23rd, and I am in Bushwick, Brooklyn, in a repurposed shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza. Sounds like a little bit of an odd thing to be doing, but for those of you in the know, this repurposed shipping container is the studio of Heritage Radio Network. We've been around since 2009. We are a 501c3charity.org. We have about 32 live shows every week talking about food, from school lunch to farm reports to fermenting kimchi, cheese, and food tech, which is the show, Tech Bites. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host. And today, we are going to have a little bit of a special episode. Every now and again... We like to put a, I guess you wouldn't say spotlight on the radio, but put a hot mic in front of (laughs) some of the folks who help make this show the amazing show that it is. And today that we're going to put that mic in front of David Tattashore, who is our engineer. You usually hear his voice coming from the control booth as Mission Control. But today he is in the guest seat to talk about his new podcast, What's the Story? Hey, Jennifer. Long-time listener, first-time guest. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been waiting to say that? Uh, I I thought about that in the shower this morning. It's very good. It's very like WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Totally. (laughs) 
And joining him today is his uh, co-producer and founder of the What's the Story podcast, Brian Farrell, who's a new voice for us. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Every now and again, like I said, it's my show. I get to sort of flip the script and do something different. So I'm, I'm excited to have this show because it's coming at an extremely timely moment in the world. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, we will do like we always do. Uh, we'll go around the shipping container and we'll talk about apps, apps we love, new discoveries, old favorites. And... You know the drill, David? You got, I know you, got the a, drill. you got an app for us? Yeah, well, uh, continuing on the Dave Tat privacy train, my app this week is called Signal. You may have heard of it. It's a texting, and I believe you can use it for phone calls as well, um, but it's just like a privacy-based app. Um, is it like WhatsApp? Yeah, it's just yeah, very super similar. encoded, so you can have your calls and send your text yep, without... Yep, encrypted texts. Encrypted. Um, also free free calls and messaging if you're over wi-fi oh is that right well for whatsapp it is oh okay i don't know if that's the case for signal but then that means that it doesn't um run on your tab of text messaging and things like that oh i see okay or phone minutes i'm not sure you're not sure no okay <laughs> so <laughs> you got me signal s-i-g-n-a-l <laughs> signal signal yeah yeah, I've, I've installed WhatsApp, but nobody really uses it, so I haven't... Like... Everybody I know uses really? it. Really? Absolutely. Huh. And people use it for big group chats, and I actually discovered it a few years back initially, and have talked about WhatsApp in the app section of this show, because it is, if you're running it on Wi-Fi, the text messaging and the phone calls are free. Oh, so wow. I started using it and installed it when I was traveling outside the country, Mm -hmm. Because obviously data when you roam to Thailand can be a little bit pricey. But if you're on free Wi-Fi, which there's free Wi-Fi everywhere, then you can send texts and photos and videos and make phone calls. And it's all oh, cool. just yeah. a Wi-Fi service. Make so sure WhatsApp. Using, make sure you're using that VPN app I, I, I talked about last that. week. Yeah, yeah, that's a good compendium. Yeah. For those of you who have not had an opportunity to listen to last week's show, but I'm sure that that episode is in your podcast queue. David's app was a VPN app to protect his phone from potential danger on free Wi-Fi in the New York City subway transit system. Correct. And the name of the app is Opera? Opera VPN. Yep. Opera VPN. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. It's a dangerous world. I know. It's important <laughs> to stay safe. Yep. Watch out for the deep state. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're on the radar, Brian. Nice job. Sorry. You know, but when you said deep state, I actually immediately thought of, um, like, meditation and some sort of, like, yogi deep state of, you know, transcendental yeah, something. Yeah, you know, I guess... I didn't, I didn't go to the enemy of the deep state. <laughs> to place. the dark web. Yeah, to the dark web and to the 1984 place. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah stay gold. Unless we think about that. <laughs> Maybe this is just going to be a, a collection of just, like, one-liners and witty comebacks for 45 minutes. <laughs> Brian, do you have an app that you like? <laughs> I do. Uh, since Dave didn't really sell Signal, I could I could go for that again and he and got really derailed pretty it. easily. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think WhatsApp actually won that app did, round. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, whereas Signal is developed, I think, um, sort of by uh, like a team of like 
people that are really into like this tech security stuff. So if you're really into it, I would recommend it. But I'll, I'll, I'll go on to another app I had in mind. Um, I was going to talk about uh, Juno, which is a ride-sharing app. Not the you? movie. Right, not the movie, um, but I think spelled maybe the same way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and not the town in Alaska either. But um, it is a, a ride-sharing app that is trying to compete with um, Uber and Lyft by being uh, better uh, to its employees in terms of offering like a better rate. Uh, so Percentage. I, yeah. I share think, on the on the price. I think they only take 10% um, from a ride, whereas Uber takes 25% or more. Mm. And they're trying to offer like uh, 50% um, of like the shares of the company to the employees within the next few years. So it's trying to be this model that is still like, it is a tech startup and maybe there's questions about that, you know, that'll be raised later, but they're trying to exploit the weaknesses of, of Uber's kind of bad reputation at least. Which for, is snowballing. Which is snowballing. Almost yeah. ev- with every news cycle. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Uber puts out, a. PR fire and then it's just on to the next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess the question is like can goodwill be enough to to grow a company that can compete with one that is like, you know, one of the wealthiest in in the world, you know. So I guess they'll see how they can do. It'll be interesting to see that. I do think that social enterprise as a descriptor and a tag word and a business aspiration is something that came into being with startup culture. Um, many startups in the tech space and just generally many of the startups that are built to be disruptors want to be social enterprises. And for people listening who may not know exactly what that means, it's not a car rental service. Social enterprise means that a for-profit company has philosophy, actions, and uh, work ethic much more aligned with a nonprofit organization. So focused on doing good for the world, being better, being better at business, being better for the planet and the people, um, but still being a for-profit company. So there's a lot of startups that are social enterprise, and it's actually a moniker for like, oh, we're a startup and we're in tech, but we're social enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they would probably fit in that realm. Um, there was, if you're interested in more about it, there was like an article in the New Yorker recently about them. So uh, they kind of explained their origin story, sort of along those lines. But um, I think it also would be cool if they could, if there was also something that could develop beyond that, uh, like sort of realm into like a full-on cooperative run by the workers. I think there's one in Austin, Texas. And so maybe that's another better model even ultimately in the end. Well, it'll come down to how the customers and the consumers feel. And it'll also come down to how the drivers feel because the drivers are the people who are the product. I mean, it is a tech platform, all these things, and it becomes ease of use. But at the end of the day, if you don't have drivers driving around, then you don't have a car service company. And my experience has been with drivers who are both Uber and Lyft drivers. They preferred Lyft because they were getting a better deal and more money. So then now add Juno and then, you know, we'll see. We'll see. There are interesting times and, you know, choice and competition are kind of what breed 
you know, the best services and what best is, is, is a definition that I think is a little bit of a moving target. Yeah. So I will, um, I realized I hadn't done an app in a while because I usually write my notes <laughs> for the show and then I have my app and then I kept turning, I'm turning back and back and back to the page where I wrote my app because the last few episodes I haven't had one. <laughs> so my app is an app called Countable which um, has been around since 2014. It started as an online product. It is um, basically designed by a man named Joe Trippi, who was one of the pioneers of using social media to fundraise in politics. And this app basically sort of wanted to shift the impact of social media for campaigning and politics to governing and activism. So sort of in terms of the response that people would have to the social media, instead of it being a give money and fundraising, have people's response and action be participation in government, um, participation in democracy. So it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting app. Um, it is very, very easy to use. It has a really nice interface. It allows you to select different, um, life and political issues that are important to you. You put in your address and your zip code, and then it shows you where who all of your representatives are. And then it gives you alerts, or you can follow a, a feed on a screen of what the real-time votes are happening in Senate and Congress, which way your elected officials are voting, mm. um, what's coming up, what people are saying. So it is, it's, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's a little like if C-SPAN was an app tailored to your geographical location and your interests, and it can send you as many alerts in real time as you want, or you can go to a feed. You can also follow other people that you know who are in it. And mm. it also has a mechanism for you to comment and respond and, and reach out to your different elected officials. So it's really interesting. Um, and it's been just going off like a pachinko game over the past couple of weeks with all the different things that are happening. But it's a nice, um, it's a nice way to keep track of what's actually happening in real time in the Senate and the Congress right now, if you're interested in that versus following whatever the, the big storylines are in the media. So if you're interested in things at a more granular level or you're interested in things that maybe aren't in those big news cycle stories, then this is a way for you to keep track of them yeah. all easily yeah. in, an, in a handy little app. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to break free of the social media narrative that we're all getting our news from. Exactly. I mean, it's a way of staying informed about what's actually happening without any editorialization or opinion sure. or sensationalism or anything like that. So if you're just, you know, it's almost like a ticker for the Senate or the, you know, Congress. It just sort of is going through the different activities in real time, um, which is helpful sometimes. Sometimes you just want the information and you don't want it coming with, you know, an opinion or an adjective or, you know. Yeah. This person was eviscerated by this person. Exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Because I think that's also the emotional side of it is what makes things so fatiguing. Yeah. You know, facts unto themselves necessarily aren't. And facts is a great pivot point into why we're <laughs> here. Well done. Ooh. <laughs> so Dave Tat, who is David Tatashore's outside the Heritage Radio Network persona. He has a website 
davetat.com oh, if no. you want to check it out and see all his different projects. Or... I would actually discourage that. That's... You know, I looked at the web. You know, it's, I don't think it was bad. Well, that's that's the website I use when applying for grad school, so it's sadly out of date right now. It, it seemed really... like okay. No, it had what's it had what's the story and all your current things on it. Uh, yeah, I think I ma- I did make that update, but um, some other things are just irrelevant at this point. But. Um, but yeah, that's, you that's should have maybe website. saved that for the break and not <laughs> said that on air and just and just put update website on your to do list. Too honest, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll we'll edit that part out. Yeah, well, go. It's live. <laughs> we don't edit. We don't do that. I'm just kidding. no. We don't. And you're not steering the ship right now. So. No, uh, certainly yeah. not. <laughs> well, so if you want to see what Dave was like in. <laughs> 2000 whatever as a grad student all you can, bright you can visit you can visit that time capsule yeah i did notice you looked a little fresher and oh, like you'd yeah. had a nap yeah so. not world weary yet world weary down. yep anyway dave tat plays the sound guy yep on the what's the story podcast he is also doing the sound design recording editing mixing and producing you're kind of a Jack of all audio trades there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then we have Brian Farrell, who created it. It's a really interesting four-episode podcast that launched in January of this year. And it basically follows the story of a young man named Ray Elliott, who worked as a professional fact-checker and kind of had his hopes and dreams crushed when he realized that one of his favorite podcasting series reported a story that wasn't entirely true. So he decided that stories were more important than facts, and he goes out into the world and he puts together a... And what's the version of air quotes when you're on the radio? He puts together this sort of like radio journalist crew to do uh, radio news programming where facts are loosely regarded um, if they inhibit the power of the story. Right. And it's a comedy, and it's fiction... And it's billed as being a podcast for the post-truth era, which given the whole like fake news, real news, environment, comedy, satire that we live in, it seems extremely timely to me. And my question is, obviously, you didn't just make this up in a day and then post it in January. At what point did you start developing this idea and did you know that you were going to be releasing this at a moment in time when it's funny, but it's kind of not? Yeah. Well, if I had known, I would have put my efforts into stopping this whole era from like beginning in the first place. <laughs> but since I didn't know, it was... Go back and it kill was, baby Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Go back in time. If, um, well, it's kind of just... Uh, I, I thought he was going to say like, go door to door and be more participatory in the electoral process. That's, that's probably what he meant. Yeah, that is yeah. what I meant. Okay. Yeah, but, Just to clarify. Know, th- thank you. Cause we are being, you know, spied upon by the deep state again. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe. Anyway, I, <laughs> maybe we'll get a sad tweet. Okay. I'm <laughs> I can sorry. Only, I can only hope. I digress. So if you had known, um, yeah, well, I, I think, what what's interesting is we we really approach this show with the idea of it being very much not like connected to uh politics at least very heavily because my everyday job i'm actually an editor for a news site 
Um, and so this was something I viewed Waging as... Wagingnonviolence.org. That's right, mm. yeah. Which which confirms why I would not be uh, t- taking up Dave's campaign uh, against Trump in the exact way he phrased it. But, a little extreme. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a political news site uh, sort of about movements and activism. And, uh, and, well, it's kind of interesting because the idea for What's the Story came up, you know, in 2000... 14, I think. And so, you know, there's still a little bit time left in the Obama era. Um, and uh, I'm running this news site where obviously things are happening uh, in terms of activism. You have Black Lives Matter and like the fight for 15 and all that. But I think in general, people were way less engaged, feeling much more confident in the government's ability to kind of keep things going. And so it was almost like a slow time in a sense, and I saw this opportunity to do a little side project that would be totally unrelated to my everyday political world and, and just do something fun uh, with my friends who um, the four out of the five of us were all living together at the time. Uh, and so it was just kind of a project that that fit everyone's various skill sets. And it seemed like it would just be a fun kind of exercise for me especially because I've never done really comedy and I haven't really dabbled in fiction since like college. So this could also have been subtitled a podcast project experiment in cohabitation and co-creation. <laughs> it could be, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, sort of like a commune podcast, yeah. like put a bunch of people, put like five people into a Manhattan adjacent apartment. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming you're, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Put five people into a Brooklyn apartment and have them make a podcast yeah. together. Yeah. Well, the experiment... That could, have, that could have been a show unto itself. <laughs> the experiment, in that sense, may have failed because we're no longer all living together. <laughs> Are you still friends with most of them? You know, and as much as I'm able to do a, a conversation like this with Dave, you know, <laughs> but no, no. Uh, we all... We all very good friends it just kind of started hitting the the mid 30s point where it was time to start you know this is a screenplay for hbo this is this housing. is a screenplay for hbo that's adjacent to girls boys, yeah, boys. yes yeah. yes yes well judd aptow email us yeah. email us techbytes at heritage radio network.org uh so yeah it's funny then that that when we finally, two years after starting this project, release it, it's in this totally different moment where everyone is activated and, and it almost feels wrong to do something or put like uh, any kind of, you know, project, uh, creative project out into the world that isn't saying something about this moment. And so I am thankful that that strangely this, this concept that we had about like... Uh, like facts and 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 truth and all that like ended up being very relevant in a way we weren't expecting um so that this moment does make uh the project feel very real and and you know it's it's a the way we talk about facts and truth are always present and will continue to be present hopefully beyond this current presidency but um obviously this this raised the stakes in the way we talk about those issues i think it dovetailed very nicely into being extremely relevant i think it would have been engaging and entertaining if it came out a year ago um the the fact post-truth era 
um, feeling of it makes it very timely. But I would argue also that it's important for people who are creators and artists and, you know, writers and radio producers to continue to do things that are simply for artistic pleasure, artistic endeavor, experimentation, arts and humanity. Um, the, you know, I watched the Grammy Awards and the head of the Grammys gave a very, very poignant speech about how, you know, one of the, one of the true measures of a great civilization is their arts and their culture and their music. And, you could make a, a strong case that in periods of, you know, political and civil stress, unrest, conflict, it's almost more important to hold on to and continue to look at art and make music and listen to stories and read fiction and poetry and all those kinds of things, because that's how we, you know, maintain our civilization and maintain, you know, sort of that, that higher thinking which, you know, when we look at what potentially might happen with the National Endowment for the Arts, I mean, that's just very heartbreaking. And I have to say, you know, again, I said it at the top of the show, Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 charity nonprofit, and we subsist entirely on member donations and um, underwriting from our sponsors. And so while we think about how grateful we are to those people, we're going to actually take a listen right now and take a break to hear who one of those amazing companies is that helps keep us on the air. And this one's called Relax. It's just the end of the world. We'll be right back. filing your own taxes and driving yourself crazy? Do you think a professional can do a better job of finding legal deductions? Do you own a business and need help with the accounting and taxes? Are you a not-for-profit business that needs financial guidance? Are you just plain tired of your boring accountant and looking for some fresh eyes? Try Fleming & Associates CPA. At Fleming & Associates, Joanne Flash Fleming can quantify anything in a flash. She'll do your taxes, assess your worth, and is even a forensic accountant an investigator of white-collar crime. Joanne Fleming once said, It was terribly hard for me to read Moby Dick, but put a financial statement or a tax return in front of me, it's like a novel. Imagine that. Has the political and financial news got you feeling down? Joanne Fleming was the accountant for the Occupy Wall Street movement back in 2010. Who better to trust with your financial secrets? For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly, J-O-A-N-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at flashfleming.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology, usually. Today, we have a fun departure from our usual tech stories. We have in the guest seat our engineer, David Tatashore, who is here talking about the podcast, What's the Story, that he co-produced with 
Brian Farrell, the podcast creator. And it's a really fun, fictional, comedic, satirical story about a young man who turned away from his professional life as a fact checker as a, quote, story ruiner to go forth into life to be a story teller. Teller. We're just always finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> it's fun. I listen to it, and I don't, I, I don't want to talk too much about the specifics of what happens in the episodes because that ruins the surprise of comedy. But I will say, you have a, a cast of characters that, to me, sort of represented some almost archetypes in the, you know, sort of like Brooklyn hipster <laughs> world of personas, as well as sort of in the media, grassroots media world. And there's one character who sounds like he's on loan from South Park. <laughs> Was that intentional? You know who I'm talking about. I'm assuming you mean Blair, uh, the kind of grizzled veteran yes, of the group. Yes, yeah. yes. He sounds like a South Park character a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. I had, yeah. Um, well, he's certainly, uh, you know, intended to kind of be the the voice that uh, disrupts the show constantly. You know, he's like the... Um, Older... Older, on PC kind of... Uh, not digital. Right, yeah. exactly. Not hip. Yeah. Um, who, yeah, he's supposed to kind of play my character's uh, uh, journalism professor, um, but he's also sort of like this weird mix between Hunter S. Thompson and, and uh, Christopher Hitchens. Um, so he's like this kind of grisly kind of, uh, yeah, like hard-drinking <laughs> weird guy. Yeah. There are so many, there are so many, you know, references, st satirical moments, black comedy, references to pop culture, types of articles, types of stories. I mean, it's very densely packed in terms of the frame of reference you all are, are drawing from. And it's so broad to me. I'm curious as to who you all envisioned as your target audience, because the people who listen, who listen to this, who really enjoy it and get everything, have to be pretty broadly well-read, very up on current events, very yeah. up on you know, journalists, some historical points of reference for you know, culture, history, and media. There's a lot happening in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think on the one hand, it's... it's it's clear that we're lovers of radio and podcasting, that type of storytelling. So it's, it's definitely a love letter to, to that. But then at the same time, you know, we're also, I think, very influenced by a lot of, um, you know, different comedies, different TV shows. Like, like for me, Arrested Development was a big touchstone, um, just the way, like, it's so packed with jokes. It's, like, so dense, and um, that was something in, in the editing process that, that played a big part in some of the decisions that we uh, made. So, so I think, yeah, to, to answer your question, um, you know, we weren't just trying to reach the typical NPR audience. Um, that's certainly a component of it, but I think we were going for a much broader range of just media consumers, really. I mean, in, in this day and age or whatever you want to call it, like we were all just consuming so much media from so many different sources and i think the show kind of reflects our perhaps over consumption 
and and that's that's also like looking back at ourselves in a way like you know just reflecting the the cohabitating five who yeah. produced it <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 to that uh, i would say that we're the characters on the show are are really just extensions of our real life personas like obviously a, a little bit more over magnified the top and, and magnified yeah one of the extreme characters in your personality Oh, me? Just uh No, I meant it, the the personas were like the extreme part of Oh, I see, right, right. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. But you were Mike the sound guy. Yeah. So <laughs> how does that vary from Dave the engineer? Yeah, I mean, well, I I I play a much smaller role in the show than everybody else, but that's just sort of like you know, the uh grumpy sound guy archetype, I guess that I was having a little bit of fun with. Um you're generally a very upbeat person. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe course. you're grumpier on other shows with other hosts. I can seal it here, well. Here, you're really. <laughs> I can seal it. I, a great inside, time. I'm just a cauldron of boiling rage. <laughs> Good to note. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So, how has the show initially been received? And does this, it being out at this point in time, does that make you think you want to continue, do it differently, evolve it? Is it more relevant? You were saying earlier, Brian, that you wonder if you should be doing, you know, stories more impactful in the political vein, if, you know, doing something fictional and comedic is, if this is the time for it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you kind of hit on that too earlier, talking about the importance of being creative and, and the need for arts and all that in this time, uh, um, I, I saw actually one of my favorite, um, fiction writers last week, George Saunders. Uh, he just came out with a novel and someone asked him that question about, you know, like, how do you feel putting out this novel in a time when like, you know, feels like we need all hands on deck working politically. And he, he said exactly what you said. And it, so it also, he probably was working on the novel for the last five years right. and not the past five months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, things take time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think going forward, you know, I still think there, that I would love to, to continue doing creative work and, and finding time for that in my life, mainly because now, uh, like, editing stories about movements and activism is has become, like, we've just been flooded with content in a way we've, we haven't been before. And I, I need that balance in my life, as I do, I think, most people. You know, we need to... We, we need to keep our creative minds and juices flowing, especially now and perhaps even more at this time. So so even though sometimes it might feel like uh, a sidetrack from, from where we should be focused, I think it's an Im- important one that keeps you know the balance and keeps you from not burning out as well. So I would hope to keep it going in some sense. And we haven't really begun to think you know, too hard about how we would do that because again, it is a side project. So one of the biggest challenges was bringing everyone together to work on it. And now you all don't live together anymore. Yeah, right. Exactly. So getting together is now harder and and so forth. But, um, it was, I think everyone felt like a real joy to work on as far as the reception. It's, I guess, similar to most podcasts. It seems like we get really great feedback, like sort of through word of mouth, you know, um, it's, it's hard to tell who's listening. And then you talk to a friend or, or a friend of a friend you haven't heard from in a while on, on Facebook noticed it and has listened. And, you know, it's kind of, 
you know, energizing to realize that. So it seems like most people that that we know, friends of friends and so forth, who've heard it have gotten it in the way we hope they would. And and that's very encouraging. Yeah, definitely. So, Dave, for you, was it a was it a very different departure from your day to day as a side project? I mean, Brian is working in a primarily written digital context. So for him, a podcast and a script is is a big departure from his day to day. Was it a little like busman's holiday for you or? (laughs) Um, well, yeah, so or no, because this is live and you got to express all of your mix master skills. Yeah. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it, it, it is nice to, to, uh, step away from the live to tape thing for a minute and, and do something more produced. Um, you know, like, like Brian was saying, that's, that's definitely a, a, an issue of balance. And, uh, it was really, it was really, uh, fulfilling to be able to get to do that kind of work. Um, and also just just to be able to work with these people, my friends, who are all very creative in their own right. I mean, Brian is a journalist and a writer. Uh, Brian McCarthy is an actor. Um, Jerry Tobin, he's a playwright and writer. Um, Ren Peer, um, also into comedy, stand-up comedy and writing. So And singing. J- and singing, <laughs> of course. <laughs> how could I forget? <laughs> um yeah, so just just to be able to bounce ideas off of everybody, and and I wasn't I wasn't involved in the very early stages with the development of the show. That really is the Bryans who uh, who carry that torch. Um, but as we got further in the process, you know, of course, there was all kinds of revision and editing, and just bouncing ideas off of one another, rewrites, and um, the editing process itself is is a a very a very creative part of it in many ways because yeah you're making a lot of technical decisions but also um decision decisions that shape the flow of the story or the overall uh narrative so yeah being able to work in that way it was it was really energizing and and i i, I hope to do it again in some capacity very soon yeah are you telling me that you'd like us to have an edited show every now and again i mean that's <laughs> no, and I love doing the live radio stuff. Of course, like uh, awkward. No, 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 not at all. I mean, like this is just this is just another way to sort of to flex and to to use my skills. But I'm putting you on the spot. No, I know, I know. But but in all seriousness, I mean, we've done some pre-produced content here at Heritage Radio. I encourage everybody to check out on the road with Beer Sessions Radio or. Sax will be radio scholars is yep. produced radio, which is wonderful. And also inside school food, we did this amazing piece uh, about Philando Castile, which is probably the best thing I've ever done here. So, um, yeah, it's it's great to work in all these different kinds of ways. So, what are you? What are your plans for? What's the story now? You have it. You have the complete series of episodes, which take the story to a. a a stopping point. I'm not going to say end because certainly there's potentially, I think a lot more that Ray Elliott can do out in the world, but we'll say a stopping point. Are you going to shop it around? Are you going to take it to different things? Are you going to work on the next installment or maybe something like, you know, American horror story where it's the same group of people (laughs) doing something kind of in a similar vein, but a totally different character and storyline, maybe satirical comedy post-truth factoid That's an interesting idea that we we hadn't even talked about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I could see your collective 
sort of lending itself to that because you have everybody who's plugged into kind of a specific production role, specific production skills. You have a good balance of, um, you know, kind of voices and ages and male and female and, you know, all those kinds of things that if you took the same group and like, you know, shook it up and said, okay, now we're going to do the same idea, but it's going to be, you know, somebody on the, somebody on the campaign trail or, you know, somebody moves or is abroad or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could, you, there's so many avenues, but similar to, I think that's one of the most interesting things about American Horror Story. I'm not a huge fan of the show because it's a little scary and creepy. (laughs) Um, and I don't want scary and creepy right now. I want something a little yeah, more. Yeah, we get enough of like, that in the news. I like action. I just saw John Wick 2 and loved it. <laughs> well, I, second only to John Wick 1, which was amazing. <laughs> Did he get um, a new dog? <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for people. Okay. He, gets an, he gets a new dog at the end of number one. I haven't even seen it. That's, oh, like, that's the only thing I know about. Get in the game. Get in the game. <laughs> John Wick 1 and then John Wick 2. Okay. It's good. It's good. Is there going to be a three? There, it's in production now. Of course, there's a third. It's a trilogy. Yep. Everything's a trilogy. My, I mean, you know. Got a franchise these days. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Got kids to put through school. But it is interesting the way they have the same people and the same actors and the same writers, and they have a genre and a style, very mm-hmm. stylized thing that they do that, you know, you could certainly take that and develop it into a different storyline and have the same people be different characters yeah. and yeah. all that kind of thing. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Well, with the podcast boom, I think um, there's you know, a lot of ripe material to, I think, kind of harvest from from this format that maybe hasn't been played around with yet. I mean, that's sort of where this idea came from, was just listening to This American Life and Radiolab and thinking about, like, the format of these shows. Are, I mean, they're great vehicles for for storytelling. They, they do nonfiction, but I was, th- you know, the idea was for me, for some reason, even though I work in nonfiction, uh, was like, wow, what could we do with this in, in a in the realm of fiction. And so I think there's many different configurations that could happen as the podcast boom continues to grow. Yeah. It's definitely a niche that I think hasn't been exploited done to death yet. No, so not to its entirety yet. One thing that I was thinking about when I was listening to it and, um, the, uh, doctors without MDs episode, <laughs> <laughs> So funny. That was the very first one yeah, we wrote. Yeah, so yeah. funny um, on so many levels. Sierra Leone. Yeah, yeah. But it made me uh, wonder if you know if you if you made it just a little sharper and a little bit less fictional and just mm-hmm. a touch sharper, if there could potentially be some confusion as to if it was real or not. Yeah. Because we do live in an era where between, you know, Facebook and Instagram and the different algorithms for how you get, you know, things served up in your social media feed, you don't necessarily know when something has happened or when an article has been written because people are constantly bubbling up things. You know, I'll click on something and that's, you know, the best Super Bowl nacho recipes of all time. And it'll be from like 2013, which clearly there've been nacho advancements since then. Clearly. And also, sometimes, because of there, there's news, there's real news, and then there's actual, like, The Onion fake news and satire and comedy, Saturday Night Live, and, you know, things like that, where things bubble up. But sometimes, 
even a newspaper in a foreign country can take something that was actually comedy and run it in the newspaper as real news. So I wonder if there's also just this funny fine line where someone could stumble <laughs> across something and be like, oh, have you heard of this Doctors Without MD thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, the fact that there is, that there even exists the saying or hashtag, not the onion speaks volumes. I mean, that you have to right. point yes. out when, oh, no, this is, this is one thing. Right. It's not. Real. And even when it's very smartly done, like in The New Yorker, I think a lot of their st- satirical humor pieces oh, like are Andy, Andy Borowitz. So close. And you almost sometimes, is, is that an article in yeah. The New Yorker or is that comedy? Yeah. I think the they started having to put a disclaimer on that, yes. didn't they? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we'll have to worry about that with our show. That, <laughs> How funny would that be, though? Yeah, that could be like your goal. That sketch you mentioned is the most like straightforward one, and and maybe we'd have to think about. And then with the quote from the the government official, mm-hmm. yeah, we're trying to replicate the success of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe Sierra Leone will will be looking for this uh, fictitious organization that is apparently. Yeah. Well, you uh, need to get your Google AdWords Google search game on so mm-hmm. that when people are searching like Sierra Leone conflict, you're the first hit. <laughs> oh, boy. We can be consultants. Yeah. That would be funny. Well, we're not just out of time. We're over time because Dave's in the guest seat and not in the booth, kind of like waving his finger in the air at me. <laughs> I want to thank Dave for taking the long walk from the control booth to the studio and sitting down in the chair and sharing a, a, another side to his production life. Thank you so much for having me. Entertaining one. I want to thank Brian for coming out and talking about what's the story. Thank you very much. Great, great to be doing live radio, even though <laughs> yeah. hopefully it doesn't look like I need to do scripted radio only. No, well, it's conversational. Conversation's <laughs> nice, and because we don't have to edit it, then it just sort of, it is what it is. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It was. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, if you want to listen to What's the Story, and I encourage you all to do that, there is a website you can check out you can also get it on itunes stitcher and an rss feed off of the website also tune in and google play thank you voice from the booth did you hear the difference in his booth and in his voice just now from how it was before much more gravitas back here (laughs) do you have better mics in there no they're they're better in the studio interesting because you sound better in there Uh, maybe i just know how to use this one better than those you sound like the guy who does the voiceover for your commercials. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to have uh, HR look into that. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to hear more like it, check out Tech Bytes. We are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. If you really loved it, subscribe to it. Leave us a five-star review. If you think you can't live without it, if you think you can't live without good conversations and stories and voices and a platform for people to share their stories about food, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart, and, you know, throw us what you spent on coffee today as a donation. We could really use it. It'll help us keep the lights on and make more radio so that I can say, come back and see me next week, Thursday at 11 a.m. for Tech Bites. Thanks for listening.
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.